Welcome to the Adventure Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Emma Jane Fry, and after 10 years on the road, I know how hard it can be to stay fit and healthy when you're traveling. This podcast is all about how to stay fit and healthy wherever you are in the world, so let's get going. This month's theme is relationships on the road and whether you travel for work, business or pleasure, I know firsthand how hard it can be to cultivate and maintain good relationships and have meaningful connections with people when your geographical location is constantly changing. For something so integral to our overall happiness and personal growth, relationships are something that we don't talk about enough and I'm opening that up for discussion this week with Jake Eagle. Jake, along with his wife Hannah, are based in Hawaii and run Live Conscious. They believe living consciously is something we can all do and when we make conscious living a daily practice we free ourselves from conflict and negative self-talk we're talking about how to create meaningful connections have good relationships and much more so let's dive in Hi, Jake. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to discuss relationships with you today, but I will let you introduce yourself first. How's it going over there in Hawaii? It's uh, great over here, and it's good to be back with you. I enjoyed the last interview we did. I'm looking forward to this one. It's one of my favorite topics. Great. If you would just let our listeners know a little bit about what you do out there in Hawaii, and you know, but a little bit about your background, that would be wonderful. I've actually only been in Hawaii. My wife and I moved here about eight months ago. And before that, we lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We were there for about 30 years. She was actually there longer than that. But we were there together for that amount of time. We were I was in private practice as a psychotherapist and Hannah is a homeopath. And we also had a endeavor where we were leading retreats at different places around the world. We were doing that two or three times a year. And as a result of that, we formed a relatively small but very intimate community of people who had been to our various retreats. And so when we moved to Hawaii, part of our plan was to find a place here where we will start conducting the retreats in addition to taking them to South America and other places that we've been. Japan is one of the places we teach. So we're looking forward to doing that work here as well. Nice. Have you run any trips yet in Hawaii or is that something that's happening in the future? No, we did years ago. We brought two groups to one of the smallest islands called Molokai and we rented a 14,000 acre ranch and it was just fabulous. There were 22 of us, I think, and it was a really delicious experience. Incredibly remote, very pristine, beautiful land with private beaches. It was great. You'll have to come over to Guatemala, Jake, because I actually found a location that sounds quite similar in Guatemala recently. So we'll have to, you'll have to come over this side at some point. Is that up in the high mountains? Yeah, it's in the, kind of in the in the highlands, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I may have heard of it. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. do it. it would be yeah, great. I know, it's wonderful. Yeah. Now, Jake, this, I, I have a kind of a theme, a topic these days, kind of every month. And this month, I was recently back in Europe. And but this was shortly after Christmas. And you know, the first thing that I saw everywhere, both online, offline, was things to do with Valentine's Day. And I thought, wow, this is already, you know, it's already, it, was, it wasn't even February by that point. But, but when I started seeing this, it did push relationships to the front of my mind. You know, it did make me think about my own relationships and, you know, about the relationships that other people have. And I think for something that is so integral to our overall happiness and personal growth, I think relationships are something that we don't really talk about enough. And I know that some of the work that you do in your business is focused around, you know, people's relationship. Um, And I would love to just kind of put that into the spotlight here and open up that for discussion. And I think most of us have no formal education on how to have good relationships. So yeah, I'd just like to open that up to discussion, Jake. Great. It's um, 
one of my favorite topics. It's a, we, I actually developed a course several years ago called Dating, Relating, and Mating. Oh, did and you? Yeah, it's um, yeah, we have an online version of that actually. And then when we do our retreats, about a third of the people who come come as couples, and it's incredibly powerful to see what happens because essentially what they do is they learn a common language, they learn a way to communicate, and and they learn a different model. The, the model is very unique in that what it says essentially is you are not responsible for how I feel. Yeah. I am responsible for my feelings. And a lot of people listening may shake their head and go, yeah, I get that. But it's incredible to watch people interact and see how often we hold someone else responsible for how we feel. Yeah. And as soon as we do that, as soon as I do that, I'm victimizing myself. I'm giving my power away to other people and I'm not taking responsibility for my own emotional well-being. So it's it's exactly what you said. It's one of probably the most important areas in our lives, of the idea of intimate relationships. And yet we have no actual education that tells us how to relate in a mature, healthy way. It, it even starts from the most basic thing. For example, we talk about relationships, but, but actually there is no such thing. Relationship is not a thing. Uh, it, it's not a noun. It's a verb. It's about relating. And so when people talk about them, they'll say things like, I have a bad relationship or I have a difficult relationship. And I'll ask people to change their language and, and say, maybe you want to say, I'm, I'm bad at relating or I have difficulty relating. But the point is, it's it's you. It's not the relationship. And if people would step back and realize a relationship is based entirely on the way that we relate, the way that we behave, the way we conduct ourselves, and that's something that we have control over. We can get really good at that. And would you say, Jake, is that, does, does this apply to both intimate relationships, you know, obviously that we may have with partners, lovers, and also, you know, somebody that we, you know, people that we are not intimate with, so friends and, and siblings and family. Is this, is it the same here? Across, across the board, yes. In my mind, there is no distinction. The, there's only one distinction I make. When I relate with other people, I'm trying to determine what is their level of maturity. So for example, if I'm relating with my grandson, and, and that's a little complicated because actually now he's 16, but let's just go back six years. He's 10 years old. And I was relating with him. His level of maturity was fairly low. And so I would take more responsibility for him and how he felt than I would if I were relating with you. Because yeah. when I relate with you, I'm going to make an assumption that you're a mature adult and that you can take responsibility for yourself. And now, here's the, the irony, of course, just because someone is an, an adult, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily mature. And so in my personal life and my friendships are all chosen and I choose to relate with people that I perceive as very mature, healthy individuals. In my business relationships, sometimes I have to relate with somebody who may be 40 or 50 or 60, but they're actually still quite immature. In those situations, I do step forward and I do take more responsibility for the other person than I would prefer to take. Yeah. Can you? Do you have an experience that you could share of how you have cultivated healthy relationships in your life? I have sort of a, a simple formula 
if we're talking about romantic relationships, um, there's just there's five pieces to it. The first one is I believe there needs to be a pretty high degree of compatibility. And that's good news for people who aren't yet in a romantic relationship because you can look for someone where there's a high degree of compatibility. A lot of times couples get together and they actually get involved with someone where it's hard, it's challenging, it's difficult. And they rationalize that by saying, well, this person's helping me grow. This person pushes my buttons and that's an opportunity for me to grow. But I don't believe in that. I I think relationships relating should be easy. And I think if I'm with someone where there's a high degree of compatibility, I'll actually grow more. So I I look for that. Um, The second one is what we talked about, which is learning how to communicate in a mature way. And my, my, my belief there is that I can say anything to you in two ways. I can say it in an immature way or a mature way. And the mature way is always, and I don't use that word frequently, but always going to get me a better result. The third thing is a very simple thing that I think actually your listeners could put into motion immediately. It's something I call the redo. Basically says anytime I'm relating with anyone, it doesn't matter if it's romantic or not. And I behave in a way that I don't feel good about. I redo myself. I I literally come back and I say, Emma, the way I just spoke to you didn't feel right to me. I want to redo myself. I want to redo that. And I would say, again, what it is that I wanted to say, but the second time I would say it in the way I hoped I had said it initially in a, in a mature way. I love that. We discussed that, didn't we? On the, fir- the first time we did, um, the first time I interviewed you, we discussed that. And I really like that concept. It's so simple, but I think it's really, really powerful. It's so simple. And the, the quicker I redo myself, the less time that I or the other person suffers. And so often I see people have an interaction with someone, again, whether romantic or not, they don't feel good about the way it went. They walk away, they think about it, they sulk, they replay it in their mind a hundred times. And all of that time, they're really suffering as opposed to just going back and saying, I want to redo myself. So I, that's that's the third thing that I find to be really helpful. The fourth thing is a concept. And the concept is anytime, and this is in romantic relationships and with friends, anytime there's conflict or tension or difficulty, my intention is to turn toward you, turn toward you instead of away. And our natural response, which is driven mostly from our primitive brain, is to turn away. We go to protect ourselves. And as soon as we do that, we make it harder to connect, not easier. And so I learned this from a really dear friend of mine, a man who we'd been friends for 25 years. He passed away last year. He was so good at this. Anytime there was any confusion or question or uh, difficulty, he just turned toward me and he did it beautifully with everyone in his life. And it's a concept that if people embrace, it it helps them shift their attitude. That's really interesting, actually, Jake. I'm, I'm thinking of my own actions now this this cut the action of turning away that's that's very interesting what's your tendency i would say if i'm going to be completely honest on a podcast that's going out to everybody in the world (laughs) (laughs) i would say my tendency is to turn away definitely and do you have a sense of why or what you get out of that i'm not entirely sure i would imagine it has something to do with emotional intelligence and you know i'm still on my journey i'm still on my path i'm still learning we all are we all are and it's great to be honest about where we are. And, and, and it brings me to my fifth point, yeah. which is that I make a distinction between what I call safety consciousness and heart consciousness. And this is actually now the focus of my current work. It's kind of my passion. I'm actually doing a research project. I started a 
a beta group just last night working with safety consciousness to living more of the time in heart consciousness. And uh, I'll explain those. The idea of safety consciousness is that it's where we live most of our lives and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's necessary. It's great. It's worth getting really good at it because safety consciousness is about being productive. It's about getting things done. It's about setting boundaries and goals. And it, it's, it's absolutely essential, but it's it's limiting. I limit myself when I'm only in safety consciousness. And most people, in my observation, even in their romantic relationships, they're still mostly in safety consciousness. Now, if I can learn to shift into heart consciousness, it is simply a state of gratitude. It, it is a state where I am appreciating the magnificence of being alive. I'm appreciating the fact that I can more or less choose what I want to do in the next 15 minutes. Not everybody in the world can do that, but you can and I can and probably most to the people listening can. We have amazing choices that we can make and, and we have so much beauty that surrounds us. And if we open ourselves to that, we are literally in a different state of consciousness, activating different parts of our brains and able to relate with other people in a much different way. How would somebody go between those two, Jake? How would you go from safety consciousness to heart consciousness? What, what are the steps there? So there are several aspects of it, but one of them is actually our posture. It's wow. really fascinating. But if you if you shift your posture, sort of imagine you know uh, lifting from your sternum and kind of opening up your heart area and having a bit of a um, a pelvic tilt. There's a little bit of a, a swell in your lower back. I've just done it, all of that, as you said it. Yeah. <laughs> and as you do that, do you feel your energy shift? Absolutely. Yeah. And so we can shift our energy by shifting our posture. We can also shift our consciousness which is similar to energy, we also shift it by the questions that we ask. So when a difficult situation arises, we can ask, what's the problem? How do I solve this? What do I need to do? Or I can ask, what's the gift in this? What's the lesson? They're very different. They have a very different quality. And the questions I ask will direct my consciousness. So when we do our, I'm going to go on a slight tangent. When we do our retreats, everybody stays anonymous. Everybody takes a name during the retreat. They don't use their real name. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's really fun and, and a very powerful uh, process. And people can change their names too. So the last retreat we did, which was in Mexico, my wife, Hannah, took the name, What's the Gift? <sighs> and everything that happened throughout the retreat, and actually even since then, she keeps coming back to this question, What's the Gift? What's the Gift in this? And it's a very heart-opening question. So the questions we ask, our posture, all of these things are part of it. Um, I actually teach a short meditation that's a heart-opening meditation. People may be familiar with things like that. And then there are these questions that we can ask throughout the day. And the question that I ask, which has been the most profound for me, is, am I thrilled to be alive? Am I thrilled to be alive? And that question, and, and that question for me just opens me up. I just open myself up to the fact that I'm alive, to the fact that really to this miracle that we're all experiencing. And that that's bigger than whatever problems I happen to be having or challenges I'm having today. And so these are some of the tools that help people shift into heart consciousness. And I want to tie it back to 
what we were talking about a minute ago, which is you saying at times you have a tendency to turn away from people. And that's a safety consciousness response. Not a, It's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it, but it is to create a sense of safety and security. Yeah, no, I was just thinking, I think, I think it's interesting that you say that I'm thinking, because I think we do that in a lot of kind of different aspects of our life, don't we? You know, it's, it's kind of that a comfort zone to a certain level, isn't it? Comfort, um, and what I, I, the word I would use is familiar. Yeah. It's familiar. And familiar feels comfortable, but familiar gets us basically where we are now. It, it, it doesn't get us necessarily get us further. We have to step out of the old ways into something new. So if and- you... If if you could if you could summarize kind of how to create meaningful connections and good relationships, how would you? What would be a summary of that? Well, related to what we're talking about now, I would encourage people to ask the question: What state of consciousness am I in now, and what state of consciousness? would I like to be in given what's going on around me? I think if people can make that shift, it has huge leverage in terms of our how we relate to other people. And then the other thing is I, I do believe we need to learn to listen to other people and realize they're telling us about themselves. They're not telling us about us. And it it, again, it, it sounds sort of simple, but it takes a lot of practice. It's a big part of what the work we do, what we're teaching. But to to not take personally what other people are saying. By the way, even when you're talking about me, I actually understand you're telling me about yourself. And that makes it much easier for me to listen to you and to understand and to witness you and not be reactive. Yeah, I love those, Jake. They were really, really good. I do I do think that the discussion of relationships should be open more I think so many people are lacking meaningful connections or confused about meaningful connections and what they mean and what they are to a certain extent so yeah I definitely will be spending February trying to open this conversation up a little bit more about relationships how we can cultivate them and maintain them both intimate and you know and not intimate, you know, on both sides of that scale. I think it's a vitally important topic, particularly today, because I was going to write a blog recently called Virtual Relationships, because I see people treating their connections on Facebook as if they were having a real relationship. Yeah. And and I think it's really confusing because although that may be meaningful to some degree, it's not the same as relating in real time face to face with another person. And I I think we, it's, it's a little bit of what you said earlier. We didn't get an education about how to do this. And it seems more important than ever that we learn these skills. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think a lot of people are confused or confusing themselves in their relationships about what they can and should expect from a partner. Yeah. And I think Mm -hmm. both whether, yeah, like whether that's an intimate partner or not, I think those, the the roles there are sometimes a bit confusing. Um, You know, you don't always know what to expect of yourself as as well as other people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We recently had, say, quote, friends, unquote, because it wasn't clear whether they were friends or not come and visit us here on the island. They were much younger. And they came here um, with the expectation that we would be hosts, that we would, in their words, that we would lay out a spread for them when they came to our home. And that's just not sort of how Hannah and I conduct ourselves. It's more like you're in our home, make yourself at home. But the point is that they had very different expectations. And so they really disappointed themselves. Yeah, interesting. And that's obviously, that's where problems can can lie, can't they? You know, if the expectations are different from reality, 
reality. Right. And and they will be. We can't avoid that. So the yeah. question then is, do you turn toward the person and say, I'm disappointing myself? Or do you turn away and shut down and hallucinate about what was going on. Yeah. Which is what happens too often. And also, I think I don't I almost don't quite know how to how to put this into words, but I think it, again, it might come back to emotion and intelligence that if we for most of us we are still on our path, it is sometimes easy to confuse, you know, what what shouldn't necessarily be an intimate relationship with with what is. Does that make sense, Jake? You know, sometimes if you are not completely in tune with your own emotions, it's easy to confuse what type of relationship you should be having with somebody. Yes. And I think that it's also goes back to that distinction I made about safety consciousness and heart yeah, consciousness. Totally. If I'm in heart consciousness, I'm actually not looking to other people to experience love. I'm, I'm in a state of love. If I'm in safety consciousness, I have a hunger to get other people to feed me love. And that's, of course, a much more challenging situation because if you can feed me love, you can also withhold love. Mm, yeah. Probably more to say and, and maybe yeah. this will continue in the future. So we just have time for the lightning round. You just have to fill in the questions here. So okay. my favorite book, tool or resource is... <laughs> I, I remember you asked me this last time, and I <laughs> yeah. said my favorite book was the book I wrote, which is called Get Weird. But I, I feel like I should offer something else. So I want to also say that my other favorite book is Alan Watts's book called The Wisdom of Insecurity. That sounds interesting. And by the way, for everybody listening, I will actually link in the, the first interview that myself and, and Jake did as well for the reference. So um, the best advice I ever received was... The best advice I ever received was from a therapist when I was going through my divorce, and he said, be generous. And he, he meant it not only in that situation, but in life. And it's been incredibly valuable advice to be generous. Absolutely. Um, best purchase for under $100. Oh, under $100? Really? <laughs> yeah, we changed. I, 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 oh, great. I thought it was $10. Oh, under $100. Um, I have a lot more room now. Actually, I think the best purchase under $100 is in Orchid. What is that? An orchid is a flower that lives on air and they're absolutely stunning. You can buy them for say $25 and they live forever and they bloom every so many months. And when the blooms come out, they last for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they're very, um, they're very common here in Hawaii. So oh, well, that's, that's a lovely thing that you can purchase yeah. for under $100. I didn't think of that one actually, flowers and plants. That's really yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they don't, they're kind yeah, they would continue to survive. That's a nice one. I like that one, Jake. Okay. okay. A personal habit that contributes to my success is? Oh, that's listening. Yeah, listening. That's a good one. And my favorite quote is? Oh, my favorite quote right now is from Martin Heidegger. Martin Heidegger said, one marvels not about the way things are, but that they are. Love it. I know, obviously, we said at the beginning, you're, you're in Hawaii. If people are coming to Hawaii, because I, I speak and coach and deal with a lot of travelers, if anybody is traveling out to that part of the world, is there anything you can recommend kind of health and fitness-based activities, you know, 
hiking or walking or anything in, in you know, where you are? Well, we're up on the north tip of the big island. It's a, an area called North Kohala, and it's just full of amazing places to hike and uh, take adventure. And um, one particular place is called Pololu Valley. It's an amazing hike down to the ocean, and then you can continue to hike over these various ridges. Um, you can sort of make it as difficult or as easy as you want. So it's, it's a very special place. And it's also near King Kamehameha's birthplace. Uh, so it has a lot of old sacred energy. It's quite beautiful. Wow, it sounds amazing. I will leave all of the links and the information in the show notes along with the other interview that we did. But if people want to find out more about your work, where should they go? They can go to Live Conscious. Dot com and they will find information there. Um, people are also welcome to send me an email if they have questions. Is it okay to give my email? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So that's jake at liveconscious.com. And if, if people give you, send questions to you, Emma, and you want to follow up or you want me to answer them, just let me know. I'm happy to. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Adventure Cafe podcast. If you want more, then head over to my website, www.emmajanefry.com. And before you go, don't forget to head over to iTunes, leave a review and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode.